What's up, everybody? It's LG Doucette here. Today is Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. This is our last episode before the holidays, which for many, the holidays have already started. You're listening to The First Mint, a podcast where I talk about marketplace trends, big sales, and everything going on in the world of NFTs. Today, we have a guest, man. I've been waiting for a while to talk to this man, and I will tell you right now, I am relatively heavy into the project. We have G-Funk, one of the people behind Pixel Vault, which is also behind Punk's comic, amongst probably a few other projects, some that we probably don't know anything about just yet. These guys are building what they call the Marvel of the metaverse or of NFTs. They already have quite an intricate world of NFTs built out. And I was lucky enough to be one of their first buyers all the way back in May. If you watch our live show, if you watch our live stream with Top Shot way back, we had Preston Johnson, also part of the crew on there to talk about Punk's comic when it first dropped, and now we're coming full circle. Punk's comic has now partnered with Adidas to drop new NFTs to include them in their new issues of comics, amongst many other really cool initiatives. This man today, G-Funk, is building an absolute beast in the NFT world, and he has been referred to as one of the best deal makers and visionaries in the space. Very honored to talk to him, especially in a time where they are incredibly busy with tons going on at Pixel Vaults. So we're going to leave you with this episode to wrap out the holidays. We'll be back next week for a very special edition of the live show to wrap out the year here at the First Mint and in the world of NFTs. In the meantime, enjoy the holidays with this wonderful episode and interview with the man, G. Funk. I want to remind everybody here that nothing on the show constitutes trading advice and that I'm just a guy at his house who loves basketball and blockchain and that it has been an absolute wonderful, incredible year to do this with and for you guys. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I appreciate all the support that you've shown to myself and to the First Mint crew along the way. This is the First Mint. Ladies and gentlemen of the First Mint, oh, we got a good one for you today. We got G-Funk, creator of Punk's comic, or one of the creators of Punk's comic, also an all-around smart guy that you should follow on Twitter. G-Funk, I don't even know. Is that how you describe yourself when you introduce yourself to new people? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> one of the founders of Pixel Vault. Um, there we go. I, yeah, I run things these days, um, just sort of building you know, building the brand for the future, you know, um, we look at ourselves as kind of like the marvel of the metaverse, trying to really demonstrate the use cases of IP and kind of like this de decentralized landscape. So yeah, that's that's sort of Pixel Vault in a nutshell. And okay, Punk's Comic like, was the, the first example of that. But dude, if you go to like a party, and you're seeing friends that you haven't seen in like <laughs> five years, what do you and they're like, hey, man, I'm assuming they call you G Funk. They're like, what are you up to? It's actually funny you say that because um, all of my like in real life uh, interactions lately have come at NFT related events and I'll introduce myself as Sean because, you know, that is my name and uh, halfway through the conversation, they'll figure out I'm G-Funk and there's like this awkward transition to transition in the conversation to them wanting to learn more about Pixel Vault and so I, re <laughs> I really haven't perfected it yet, but uh, yeah, I mean... All of this has happened so quickly that, uh, you know, just still the same dude. So, Sean, yeah. Okay. Just Sean, Sean, who's into crypto. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everything, everything decentralized, Web3. Uh, it's what, what we've seen happen this year 
I think has been really transformative and and really has demonstrated just the power that that brands have to sort of build in this space, right? Ignoring everything that we've done, let's talk like Bored Apes, right? In in eight months, they've built a brand that uh, sort of the the fervor of of their fans like rivals brands that have been around for decades, right? So I think you really see the power of what it is to be able to interact with community and creators in a very real way that's unlike anything you get in traditional corporate world. And I think that's why it's captured so much attention so quickly. Do you do you have a corporate world kind of background? Or like, what were you doing prior to crypto? Yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur, uh, but I, I am also a JD MBA. So yeah, I've sort of checked the corporate boxes, but I, I like to be a, uh, a suit wearing a hoodie, right? Right out of college, I worked in, in banking. And I still remember I was F158359. And to me, uh, that was sort of soul crushing, right? I, I was finding a lot of success, but I was just a number. And yeah, it's so, like straight out of Star Wars, man, with Finn. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I the mean, new Star Wars where he's like, I'm FN146 or whatever. Exactly. That sounds like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just feels bad, you know? And there's there's sort of this beauty in entrepreneurship and really Web3 in general, right? Where it's it's sort of a meritocracy, right? You can show up one day and if you have valuable things to bring to the table, good ideas, uh, you can gain a lot of ground in a very short period of time. There are people that like just started their Twitters like this year that now have tens of thousands of followers all based on kind of the value that they brought to the table or their personalities. And so, so it's sort of this like great equalizer. And um, as part of that, I think that's why all of these PFP projects have taken off because people really get to kind of decide who it is they want to be, um, which is unlike the traditional world, right? You're, you're sort of born with all of these kind of constraints put on you. So it's, you know, it, it's cool. It's freeing. Uh, we get to kind of dictate where all of this goes, what we want it to be. And so, uh, building with our community over the last eight months has, uh, been a lot of fun and, uh, really, I mean, we're just getting started. So when you're saying that, you know, anybody can kind of come into the space and, and be what they want to be, is that true as well for, um, for, for companies like you guys for pixel vault? Like, is this, is this the kind of business you, you, you would have planned something similar in the real world or is this something completely different compared to what you've done in the past? Yeah. So, I mean, we have actually embodied that. I mean, we, we have 21 people uh, at the company now. And I think every single one of them has been hired either through Discord or Twitter, right? Just very, very smart people that were passionate about the project. And that's sort of the first thing I look for when, when building a new business is, you know, people really have to be committed to the success and long-term vision of something. Otherwise, you know, any sort of bump in the road and people abandon ship and, uh, entrepreneurship is hard. Um, uh, before the stream, you know, you and I were talking about how punk's comic took five weeks to sell out. Right. And so if, if we didn't really believe in what it was that we were doing, you know, it, it's easy to see a project fail in that scenario. And I, I had really everything in my life on the line on this project. Um, I've talked about this publicly, but about a year ago today, I had about $20,000 in crypto and I managed to make some really good trades. Uh, I was involved in Top Shot, 
bought Solana at three dollars, like a a bunch of fortuitous circumstances where um, I was able to put together a, a little nest egg heading into the launch of of the comic, and then Beanie put up several million dollars in assets to to make it happen. Uh, Preston Sports Cheetah, who you actually interviewed uh, on this show, uh, like a couple weeks into minting when we still hadn't sold out. But for me, you know, as as the short stack at the table, like I had all of my money and some of my family's money on the line in doing this. So you have to have a yeah, you have to have a certain sort of personality to really go all in on the stuff you believe in. And so in building this business. You know, I really wanted to align myself with people who who actually believed in that vision and and would push forward even when times were hard. So, yeah, in, in a very real way, you know, if you have something to bring to the table, there is a lot of room for you in this space. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this then? Because you sound like you know your your entrepreneur mindset. You're going like yeah. you know balls to the wall, like like full in clearly, yeah. right? 110 percent belief in what you're doing. If this hadn't happened, if like the NFT year of 2021 hadn't happened and we were still where we were a year ago where like a you know a Steph Curry legendary was a thousand bucks and you know Axie Land was 0.2 ETH or something like that right and everything else in NFTs what would you be doing yeah so um at the time when this started as just sort of like a passion project I was helping to build this sort of global studio footprint so when I say studio think of it as sort of like glorified hotel ballrooms, right? We build purpose-built sound stages for film and television crews to come in and, uh, you know, make magic happen, right? And then at the end of the day, they return their keys and and we rent it out to the next group. So I, I have a back, background in the film and television business, uh, but all of that background is sort of behind the cameras, you know, helping the creatives in front of the camera, just sort of have the tools and resources that they need uh, to to bring these stories to life. So I do know what I don't know, fortunately. And so in building out this very IP focused business, um, you know, I've tied myself to some really amazing content creators. And now as we sort of pursue the next steps in the evolution of Punk's comic, Metahero and Pixel Vault more broadly, we're gonna be bringing on some seasoned production executives like strategists in terms of guiding the IP and sort of weaving the narrative between our different storylines together. So I, I'd be in the entertainment business. Actually, that business has taken off, but uh, I had to I had to step aside as as this was sort of like a, a on a moon mission quite quickly, and there was just not enough time for both. So uh, my my dream job came to fruition, and little did I know my my like actual dream job would. Uh, would get in the way of that. So yeah, I, I, I feel very lucky to be where I am. This year has, has just been an absolutely amazing year for me. Not, not doing much, uh, much comic making these days, uh, a lot of phone calls with attorneys and stuff like that, but it's been awesome. That's okay, man. That's okay, man. Good for you, man. I'm really happy for you. And, and the, the, the project is tremendous. Um, I'm a holder. Uh, a lot of people in the first mint are holders and, and the broader NFT community as well that we're familiar with, um, are holders and have become holders since, since Preston was on the show, which was, um, for those curious, it was during the hustle and show number two pack drop, which we're asked to host by Top Shot on the Twitch stream. You know, we 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 had George Reister on, we had Jacob on from Top Shot, we had Navin on, who's now the the content manager at um at uh, ApeDAO, and also we had Preston on to talk about 
punks comics. And I think you guys were about like 15 to 20% sold at the time. And, um, we already had some, I already had some. So we just wanted to kind of like talk about cool stuff, pump, pump our bags really. Um, yeah. So, I, I, so I watched a funny the show. Flashback. I yeah. remember, uh, him getting rugged with his microphone and then uh, some, some conversation about his beard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the love you guys gave us when we were just sort of a, a project beginning to take flight. And those were some, uh, as I just told you, I had everything on the line. So those were some uh, sort of tenuous days for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, man, likewise. Uh, let's shift to building, rewarding, and just kind of crafting community, right? Because a massive part of Pixel Vault and everything you guys are doing, you fostered a really fantastic community. You've your tremendous traction that you have. There's so there there are a lot of NFT projects out there, um, but but not too many that really get the buzz, the traction, and the general good vibes that you guys do. When you're, you know, let's flash back to when you started to plan this idea. You're chatting with with Preston and your other you know co-creators for Pixel Vault. You're crafting your 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 map of like there's going to be planets and there's going to be all this great stuff. Where do you how do you how do how does community kind of fit in with planning, right? How do you kind of fit that in with like okay we're going to sell this on this day and then that becomes a mint pass and then we we develop the IP and we use the punks to do this. Where do you fit in kind of the planning of community within that? Yeah, so. Unlike most projects today, we took sort of a unique path to community building, right? Um, if you look at most of the other really successful projects, they all started as PFPs, right? So people got these NFTs that they could sort of align their own identities and, and sort of vibes and interests with, you know, whether that's an ape or a doodle or a cool cat or, you know, whatever it might be. Sort of these, these communities formed around these sense, the sense of identity right? Punk's comic was, was very much the opposite, right? We built community around story. Um, so it was kind of this, this common narrative and ability to sort of craft a, a fictional story together that, that really appealed to people. And I think, you know, you guys having a, a background with NBA Top Shot, it's kind of a similar vibe there, right? Comic collecting, card collecting, I grew up uh, a huge sports fan, a uh, big baseball, basketball card collector. So it's very much kind of like that same experience, right? Banding around kind of like this common interest, whether it be sports or, or comics and, and fiction more broadly. Um, and it wasn't until much later that we introduced MetaHero, which uh, has now sort of given our community the opportunity to kind of create their own identities within that ecosystem which I think has been sort of a valuable value add, I guess you could say. Um, but another thing that allowed us to, to build community in a very different way than most projects is um, sort of the very active collecting process, right? I remember as a kid, I was constantly trading with other people. Like I would even find people like through Beckett. You remember the old like uh, pricing magazine for cards? Like I would, I would communicate via like AIM and letters and stuff to, to trade cards with people, right? And I think when, when people are able to interact with their collections, it makes it a lot more real to them. Uh, so rather than just having something sitting idly in your, your wallet, right? If you're faced with decision points, um, you're going to be one more, much more actively engaged in the community, right? As 
you and others sort of try and find out, okay, like what, what's the most plus EV decision here, right? But also it's going to be a reflection of your personality, right? Are you risk averse? Are you a risk taker? Um, within our community, are you more uh, aligned with interests kind of in the on the gaming side than maybe you lean towards MetaHero? Or are you more aligned with kind of our grand vision for the comics and an animated series and kind of like that more traditional media path, right? Do you, do you sort of lean in that direction or are you more just kind of like true crypto DeFi, right? And, and then you're drawn to the punks token and the POW token. Um, so I think in a very cool way, um, our collectors really get a chance to sort of embrace their own personalities when participating in our project. And that's not just through a PFP. So that's sort of how we've looked at community building uh, under Pixel Vault. I'm just going to pick something out of what you said there, and it's it's not any of the really beautiful stuff that you said about community, <laughs> which I really love. I got I got to say, the part where the, interacting with your with your collection and also just enabling people to identify is so valuable, and like you're saying, can be done in such real time now. Um, that that's that's helped really accelerate the space. And it's great that you you identified that early on. You're talking about collecting and Beckett and cards and comic yeah. books. What was the holy grail for you or what still is of all? Um, I mean, I was a huge like Kobe and Griffey uh, fan as a kid. So like basically my end goal was always to trade whatever it was I had for more Kobe and Griffey. Yeah. like and What did uh, that result in? What did you have then of Kobe and Griffey? Oh, I mean, I had all the rookie cards. I had a bunch of cool Jersey cards. I mean, when like my prime, um, in, in card collecting, it, it wasn't so much of a focus on Jersey cards that sort of came later, but yeah, mostly focusing on getting kind of like their rookies and, and cool, like insert cards and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I was obsessed. Like I knew every price by heart. I, I would like carry my Beckett and my cards around with me at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some of my backstory starts to make much more sense for, for where I ended up. I know exactly. I could picture exactly what you mean now. The kind of kid you were. That's awesome. Little, little I was, like I, seven-year-old G-Funk paying attention to the floor prices on his Griffey. Yes. So, yeah, see, see I was the same now. thing, but instead of Beckett, I had Wizard Magazine with the prices. Nice. nice. Yes. And I remember when I was like 10 or 11 and for Christmas, my parents gave me like, bought me a Wizard Magazine and like a few random comics and I was off to the races. And thousands, like I had like a, back then there was like four different strands of Spider-Man comics. There was like Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Sensational Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Amazing Spider-Man. And I had like all four subscriptions. And I know exactly what you mean, man. I had a binder full of every single like Marvel card. Um, yeah, see, we get older, but we don't really change, huh? No, it's well, that's it. That yeah, I I, 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 I actually explained this on a different podcast a while back that I actually have no idea what happened to all that stuff. Like sometime between like 18 and 21, it, it vanished. I either got rid of it when I moved out or something. Um, so it's, that's, I've actually had nightmares about that, um, especially these days now that I'm back into collecting. But um, things like Punk's comic and even just collecting overall it with NFTs has really brought me back into the fold and is, and is quite fulfilling in that sense. The stakes you know, are a little and, bit higher uh, here. Oh, but, but it's uh, wonderful. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. what it was going to take for me to get back into it, honestly. That and community, right? Where it's like, oh, I can just go online at like midnight and talk to people about Pixel Vault or talk to them about like doodles or talk to them about like, I don't know, whatever other like totally random stuff that I have, right? Like it's like I can just go do that at any moment. Even if it's a community I don't frequent often, I can still go in and chat with them at any moment. And that's like, that's something I didn't have when I was like 12, 
you know. Right. And in a so. very weird way, COVID accelerated all of this, right? Um, yes. Yeah. You know, people people were missing sort of that that sense of community as they were locked up in, you know, their houses and apartments and whatnot. Um, and <laughs> in the strangest way possible, sort of that like year of isolation and just always being strapped to my computer at all times. Now I have friends like literally in, a, in every country in the world, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my fiance about a, a trip to uh, to Germany and the Netherlands. And I'm like, oh, I have a friend in this city and a friend in this city. It's like, it's so weird because I, I almost never leave home. But now as I plan things, I, I know people everywhere. So um, yeah, I, it's it's been really awesome. And, you know, getting to, to do NFT NYC and Art Basel, starting to connect faces to avatars and like these people that you've become friends with uh, over the last, you know, year or two. That is the wildest uh, it's, part. It's been pretty oh. cool. Yeah. That's the craziest part, man. I didn't go to Basel, but I, I was in New York and that was just the craziest thing to actually, to actually chat with people in real life, but have so much in common, like have such a deep knowledge of the same stuff it is really quite fulfilling. Back to your community. You guys have added a lot of value over time, right? Like people got the comic and then they were able to burn it for founder DAO or, or, or uh, keep it. And then they were given a mint pass. And since then so much more stuff and so much more to come. How do you like, how does the dynamic of the community change when you do that? Because every, every NFT project has people that are there to, to flip. They're there to just ride the wave. It goes up, they flip, flip, they, they flip on the way down. How do you, how has the balance kind of changed for you? And how do you and the team manage that as those people kind of come in and out? And hopefully, ho hopefully convert many new ones into long-term holders, of course, right? Um, but how does that how does that go from kind of like a you know a five-week sale to now being one of the hottest projects? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, if you were an original minter, I mean, you're up probably hundreds of X at this point. But uh, you know, the the market and the secondary market in particular really sort of works in these cycles, and so. Every time I release a new project, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, somebody bought this at the top, right? And I want to make that person still appreciate being in, even though they might be down from, you know, the, the point in which they purchased into our community. So really trying to have a focus on having all of our launches either prioritize or go strictly to our community allows that kind of like value stacking proposition, right? We're like, okay, maybe you you didn't get in at the optimal time in, you know, your meta hero, but now you have the opportunity to get a planet and a sidekick. And, you know, the more things we stack on top of one another, right? As the community succeeds, so too does the project, right? It's cool that, you know, as a as a creator, you can try and price things low and allow the community to to sort of reap the rewards. Like with, with the first mint pass uh, for the MetaHero Generative Identities, we priced it at the 0 0.08, even though we knew it was gonna sell for a lot more in secondary. And instantly, the second people minted, it was like already worth three ETH or something like that. So what that does is it actually instigates more trading in the secondary market. And so we're able to benefit from capturing some of that value as our community directly benefits because you know they're capturing all of the value up front right and I, I really think that's kind of the way to to lead these projects is try and price low allow your community to sort of reap the immediate rewards off off that initial sale and 
you know, just, just trying to look out for one another. Um, because if, you know, if we're the only ones winning, you know, very, very quickly, the community dies. And that that's sort of like an interesting balance here, right? Because we, we do want to have the focus be the art and the storytelling and all of that. But if everyone's getting wrecked uh, <laughs> in the market, you know, there's only so long that the good vibes are going to last. So I try to be very mindful of, of both the, the art and art here in this case is, is not just the picture you see on the NFT, but trying to make use of the medium and the technology. The code is art as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's a constant balance of, you know, trying to push the industry forward, trying to price things uh, aggressively low and sort of favor our existing community. Yeah, it's a tough balance because <laughs> we also want to bring new people in, right? So I don't know that, that there is a, a single sweet spot but um, I think we've done pretty well so far. How do you balance out like listening to feedback from the community and kind of executing on what you guys had planned? And, and feedback, obviously, you guys seem quite receptive to feedback and there's a lot of people that try and help. But I think there's also, there's kind of two factors to feedback where one is like people saying like, hey, have you guys ever thought about doing this? Or like, hey, we'd like to see this kind of channel in the Discord. Like it's kind of like that kind of, you know, people adding to your vision, let's say, and other people you know, uh, kind of the balance between the negative and the FUD kind of thing when, when prices go down or when there's, you know, uh, or whatever other things cause displeasure. How do you kind of manage that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely learned that we can't keep everyone happy. Uh, no matter what we do, no matter how much people are up, there will always be FUD on Twitter. It's both the good and the bad about this space is it's 24-7. So at the outset, I was extremely reachable, constantly interacting with the community. Now I'm, I'm a little bit less available as you know, the business has really taken off and I'm on calls and meetings like 24 seven, it feels like it really is a focus and, and having people on our team interacting. We have a group of mods that are like amazing. We've gotten a lot of the direction of the project, even to date from ideas in our community. And as I said, we've hired a bunch of people from our community. So in the realest way possible, this is a community project. And I, I, again, I think that that's what makes Web3 so powerful versus some of like uh, the traditional power structures, like in, in corporate America and worldwide, right? You know, you, you put all this time and effort into like loving Disney as a kid, but you know, what, what, what does Disney do for you? You know, what impact do you have on driving that narrative forward? And now you're seeing all of these considerations with regard to IP rights, right? As soon as you start interacting with Mickey Mouse, you're getting hit with a DMCA. So I think that there is a lot more potential here for brand building and IP building because people can actually see the fruits of their labor kind of come to life. Uh, people want to have an impact. And so, you know, no matter how, how big this company gets, like we're always going to have to be extremely tied to that community. And, you know, we want to help to have the community help us drive this forward. Do you feel pressure to deliver? I oh, feel like yeah. I'm Oprah. I feel like I'm Oprah now asking you these. Yes. Like <laughs> big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But tell, tell I mean, me it's about really that, all that drives me. Uh, you know, at this point, okay. Okay. I've found like tremendous personal success. Like I, I couldn't feel luckier to be in the position I'm in. Every new person that buys into our project and supports our project, I want them to succeed as well. 
like the the haters like I, I hear it i love i love proving people wrong i've always sort of i i touched on it like i have uh, w- one thing i took from kobe is kind of like that chip on my shoulder and uh i i pay attention to that and i keep it and um it really does help drive me forward you know wanting to really deliver on everything people expect and then much more right first in the gym last to leave sort of mentality is there anybody or any situation in particular that's motivating you when you're thinking about that no i mean we we just have like all these sort of like irrational haters on twitter i think um you know beanie being sort of like a, a very prominent supporter of the project and an investor since day one i i I quite literally would not be here without his support and like people either love him or hate him and so people that know nothing about the project but have just like decided that they don't like him will (laughs) publicly fud the project so i really do love uh proving all of those people wrong uh with deals like adidas and you know coinbase and we have a lot more in the works that haven't been hinted at publicly yet. You know, when all of this started, I I wasn't well known. I didn't really have a, a public profile. And so, you know, it's hard getting a new project noticed. So he got us some of that momentum, which I'm really grateful for. But now that sort of I, I have a bit of a voice, um, you know, I, w- I want people to to sort of see the project for what it is. And, you know, our our team like really, really cares about this. We work around the clock, quite literally, to to try and deliver and exceed upon expectations. And so, you know, I want to be considered, you know, one of the one of sort of the defining projects of this of this era. You know, 2017 and 2021, I think, will be looked up at as two like very important years in the history of of Web3 and sort of the power of what NFTs can do. And I'd like to someday be be looked upon well there you know you don't you don't want to be just sort of a flash in the pan and uh a lot of people talk about how 99% of projects will go to zero and i think what what differentiates the projects that will succeed is not only team but but being unique you know doing something that is unlike others and i think uh pixel vault really has sort of its its own lane right we're not trying to be anybody else's project always like sort of IP driven from the start. And uh, so just trying to build on that day by day. Have you, is there anything that you guys have done community wise that you'd want a second take on any, or any, anything you've learned from at least, you don't have to tell me what you think you you fucked up, but you know what I mean? Like, is there anything you'd want to do over anything you'd do differently the next time? I think it got too complicated. And so there was this public perception that we are not communicative. And I think if you compare how much, communication we do versus most other projects, we do a lot more. The problem is it's still insufficient because of the complexity. Now what I'm trying to do is sort of release roadmap plans in like much smaller chunks, right? So people can focus on kind of like the immediate actions that they need to take rather than having to plan out this whole complex game theory kind of mechanic you know, six months to a year out. So sort of focusing on the present or, you know, the next couple of weeks will be a focus. And then just, you know, continuing to expand upon our staff in terms of marketing. Uh, we're about to have two new people on fo- focus strictly on communications and marketing. And I'm in process of uh, 
interviewing some uh, CMOs. Um, so we're going to be scaling quickly and communication is, is at the core of that. Again, touching back on this concept of community. If the community doesn't know what's happening, we're, we're not doing our job. So a little bit of balance, you know, both, both reining in the amount of information available and communicating it more effectively, I think is something we could improve upon. Well, sounds like you're planning to anyways. If I was a new project looking to build, maybe not, not exactly what you guys have done, obviously, unique ideas, right? Like you said, but I've got a really great idea for a project. I need to, you know, I'm going to be building community from scratch. Like what is the one thing I need to know from you? You want to have something unique about it, but having that possibility for interactivity among your collectors will, I think, give you sort of like an added leg up, especially in the early days. If it's not sort of a PFP project where where people are going to identify just from kind of like that that personal level, if it's, you know, something in the world of photography or, you know, maybe you're trying to build your own comic or some sort of IP related uh, project, you really need to focus on kind of like that differentiation because, um, you know, after the success of Punk's comic, all of a sudden, you know, 12 different people were roadmapping comics. And so it's hard to differentiate yourself from kind of like a second mover's perspective. And so certainly the projects that I've tried to associate myself with were people that I felt were doing something different and trying to move the community forward. And ultimately, I think that's the best way to be recognized. You know, bring your own vibe. Don't try to be like anybody else. And if you're just sort of copy pasting, you know, unfortunately, I think those are the projects that will be forgotten by time, you know. Um, so be thoughtful. Don't cash grab because uh, it's it's just not sustainable. Very well said. I'd love to, to peek a little bit behind the curtain on some of the recent Pixel Vault activity. If you're able to share how a partnership with Adidas or Coinbase comes to light. Yeah, so Adidas, um, our friend Ben Mayer White, BMW, uh, has been his his recent moniker. He was just some dude that like was working for Adidas that found the NFT space and loved it. And I remember Discord conversation probably like seven months ago, six, seven months ago. Like in the very early days of Punk's comic, he just loved it and, you know, wanted to try and find a way to to do something with Adidas. And then very early on, I was looped into a conversation with G Money, uh, who's who's a friend of his and a friend of mine now. And we just sort of organically tried to to piece together this idea for for what it could be and you know how how a huge corporation like Adidas could sort of enter the metaverse these early conversations, I guess he just sort of circulated it internally at Adidas and, you know, found a ton of very like-minded people, people like Andrea and Lonnie. And, you know, now, now I've met a whole bunch of others, Erica, Todd, Tarek. I mean, all of these people like really care about trying to do something that is, is true to web three and not kind of like stuffing corporate America into kind of like this unique new space. Some of these people have been in into NFTs and crypto since 2017, like way more OG than me. So I think that that's really kind of like the differentiation for, for this project uh, between a lot of the other sort of steps that you've seen, you know, companies take into the space. 
is that, you know, Adidas was sort of the end result, but really it was led by a bunch of people who, who like live and breathe this stuff. Passionate um, people, passionate yeah. people who are stoked to do something cool. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so it feels, it feels like true to the space. Um, and you know, everybody wants to work with people they like and, and friends. And so it was cool to just work with a bunch of like-minded people and, and try and bring something unique. And I think the second comic and, uh, a bunch of stuff I still cannot, uh, touch on too much, but the second comic is, is going to sort of be the introduction of Indigo, this ape that Adidas bought and, you know, also in partnership with G money and working with the team over at board apes. And, uh, we had, we have this crew of winners of, of a contest that we did like back in June when we, when we announced, uh, that issue two would be sort of a collaboration with the board ape yacht club. Um, the floor was like one ETH. <laughs> so it, it's like, it's crazy how much can change in six months, but we did sort of this March madness bracket style contest where I think we had something like 650 people enter. We narrowed it down to our 64 favorite uh, applications. And then they fought it out on Twitter, um, you know, doing like these campaigns. They had like backstory for their characters and names, et cetera. And so we narrowed that down to the final eight, the elite eight apes. And um, so they're going to be featured in the comic, which is like a very cool uh, sort of early first use case for these NFT licensing rights. And they're very much our partners in the sale of these special edition comics that, that will be part of this drop. So comic two, X marks the drop is going to be coming on Friday, this Friday. And then uh, some more stuff to definitely keep your eyes peeled to Twitter in the coming weeks. I will, man. Don't you worry. And, <laughs> and great choices. Some uh, I, I wasn't super familiar with all of the apes chosen, but I, I do know um, Swicky, who has Kiki the ape, uh, yes. as well as Schiller with uh, Biz. Exactly. So great, great yep. choices there. Two really wonderful apes. And, and great to see that crossover. And like you're saying, like that to me is like, you know, I've explained projects like Punk's comic and even uh, Jenkins the Valet as well to people that I know. I, I, I you know, I, I came up kind of like in the broadcasting industry years and years ago. And I still have a lot of friends who are on TV or who uh, like write a lot of like Netflix shows. And I've explained that creative process to them. And that's one of the only things that they actually get that they're like, oh shit, like, you know, the rights are kind of open and the people who own it can go license it to other things. And so it was like, that's how you can immediately have a crossover from punks in the first issue into apes in the second one. And who knows, I, I don't know what you guys are doing, but who knows what in the third or fourth or fifth, right? And yeah, so the third will be the introduction of the metaheroes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the metaheroes are coming in third, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, but we have ideas for four. I got. Five, I got to start six, working on the story for mine. Then I better start working on my metahero story. Yeah. Uh, get ready. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like something like that, and it's like it's just kind of like think about if you know in the second Star Wars they'd been able to cross over into like Indiana Jones, you know, or something like that. Right. Like there's a lot of other ways to kind of picture it that it's just like yeah, you can just own this thing and just start writing stories about it, but then you'll still have the leverage of the entire brand behind what you're doing. And that's such an abstract concept for people, especially think about a few friends who are writers, who are TV writers. But it's also something that they're like, oh shit, like that actually makes so much more sense to do that, 
right? And um, yeah, I've I've know, been pulled yeah. into into quite a few conversations now with with sort of like these legacy media companies. You know, they know we're partnered with WME, and they they probably know heading into the call some of the the financial success that we've had. It's it's funny, like listening listening to kind of like their tone change and that like light bulb go off for them at sort of what, yeah, what, what this could have in store and how this can shake up uh, traditional media. It is extremely powerful and it allows for a lot more cross collaboration between brands and this idea of the community building alongside sort of the original content creators, right? Like if, if we go out and build a Netflix show for MetaHero, but you know, the, the 9,800 some odd MetaHero generative identity holders now also have a character that they can go out and brand and, you know, make their own show or make a, a coffee company, you know, who knows what, what people might do. It's all this, that same kind of like look and feel. And so it's not just us that's working towards building out the ecosystem. It's, it's everyone else. Um, and that's, that's totally different than any any other business model uh, out there right now. So I think it's going to be very disruptive. Well, it's just, yeah, and there's just so many ideas that percolate, right? Like you're saying, it's like, okay, cool, I've got this this meta hero or even like a mutant ape or something like that, right? And it's like, I've always wanted to start my own like coffee brand, right? Like you're saying, or my own brand of pens or something. And it's like, cool, I can just call it like my meta hero, you know, which let's say I call him LG, uh, you know, then it's his coffee and I can use the brand and then I can leverage you guys. You know what I mean? There's so much immediately there for me. And it's the idea that I can use a, something that I've collected that means a lot to me also as a brand for something else I want to create is, is the part that is completely different and something where it's almost like, shouldn't it have always been like this? You know, like something <laughs> I paid a lot of money for that's worth a lot. Shouldn't I have always had the ability to kind of do what I want with it. Right. Um, so that's, that's, it's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad you guys are at the front of that. And, and kind of even now, like you're saying, you know, uh, teaching at this point, guiding some of the legacy media companies into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for all of us that are here early in the space, that's sort of our responsibility, right? If we want to grow this into what it can be, you know, we, we very much should be active proponents in trying to bring these outside brands into the space. Now, we're approached by like countless people who we choose not to work with because we think they're coming for the wrong reasons. But yeah, you know, I, I'm very much of the belief that, uh, we can all still win, right? The space is, still has so much room to grow that I'm very actively rooting for all of the other creators in the space and, you know, trying to bring more, more mainstream eyes to what's happening. So yeah, just, just trying to, uh, to preach the good word and, uh, and bring people into web three. And, you know, once, once people get in, I don't really see anybody leaving, you know? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question for you, G funk, um, you know, 2021, like you're saying, comparable to 2017 in the way that it's just like really just kind of nuked everything that was happening here. And we're in a completely different world now in terms of NFTs. What will 2022 bring? What is your prediction? And not like pixel vault related, just, where are we sitting in 12 months? What's what's going to have changed significantly when we come back a year from now? I think the space is going to grow, you know, by many multiples. Um, Adidas is a perfect example of that. I think, uh, you know, Coinbase launching their NFT platform is going to onboard a lot more people, um, you know, working to sort of reduce that barrier to entry, make things much simpler so that people can interact with their NFTs uh, in a way that doesn't require like a huge degree of 
crypto savviness, right? Um, I remember when I was getting onboarded in, into like NFT world um, last year, I guess it was t- maybe 2019, 2020. Um, like it, it, it felt quite complex. And I think it's come a long way since then. Uh, and obviously I had sort of a background in crypto, so that was another leg up. But trying to find a way for people like our parents or our siblings who might not be in the space to, to be able to interact easily is going to be sort of the next major hurdle we need to cross. And so I think both the technology is going to get a lot better in that regard in terms of on-ramps and also just uh, the emergence of way more brands and, you know, A-list celebrities. You're starting to see it with all of these people, you know, showing up with board apes on the timeline, crypto punks, et cetera. It, it, it's crazy to even think that it's going to escalate from here, but I really think it will. So. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you, man. Absolutely. Well, that's a great prediction, man. I, I, I appreciate that. Okay, there is one last part. And if you if you did listen to the podcast way back, you know what happens at the end of the podcast is we play a game. And the game is Would You Rather. I'll give you a really easy one to start, okay? Would you rather you discover that this whole time you have owned the most rare, shiny, Kobe rookie card or like Kobe, you know, 81 point game or whatever you consider the holy grail of Kobe moments or championships, whatever. You've got the best, rarest one. It's in mint condition. It's been just in your vault this whole time or something like that. Or Top Shot comes out with a one of one Kobe and they offer it to you. Interesting. So there is only a single one of one they're both Kobe one of ones. But in both in each option, they're wow. one of one. And yes, that's it. And it's official. Like the Top Shot one is like the, the Kobe, the family has signed off. They're like, yes, we want the, the Kobe NFT. And it's his okay. most signature I'm, moment. I'm going to go whatever with the one of one Kobe Top Shot. Wow. Uh, because I, I really believe in kind of like the future of what this technology holds and, and uh, sort of like your ability to display that and share it. Uh, is much greater than than the piece of cardboard, no matter how much I like the cardboard. So yeah, really tough call because, you know, true native to Kobe would be a piece of cardboard, right? I'm a, I'm a believer in this space, so, so I'll go with the top shot. Okay, okay, great, great question, great response. Would you rather tomorrow, and maybe this has already happened, but I don't know anything about what's going on with you, so I just this is just a projection. Tomorrow, both Disney via Marvel calls and so does whoever runs dc comics they both call and they're like listen we want to license one of our characters to you 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 and your community keep all the profits we'll do exactly whatever you say people can own the character whatever it is and the options are dc is giving you batman and marvel is giving you wolverine which one are you choosing? I'm going Batman. Wow. Not even a second thought about that. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, okay. yeah. I mean, so I like. Do you Wolverine, want Spider Man instead? But... You want like a bigger name? Is that what you want? Okay. Batman, Spider Man. That's tough. <laughs> uh, I thought maybe you were a Wolverine kind of guy. That's an assumption. Well, I do I like know. Wolverine. I do like Wolverine. <laughs> but like, if we're talking like blue chip heroes, I mean, Batman beats Wolverine. Now, Spider-Man versus Batman. Okay, now we have the issue where like, okay, well, well, Batman, like 
he doesn't really have superpowers. He's just like super rich, right? And Spider a scientist. Man, and he's a scientist. Come on. Yeah, but Sp- I don't know. Spider-Man's got uh, – I, I think I would pivot to Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like a child. Man. Yeah, but like he can like fly <laughs> through the air and has the webs. And, I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's tough. Not much of an answer I gave you, but – No, it's okay. This is how we discover more about who you are. So I'll say the, the powers are cooler for Spider-Man, but Batman mm-hmm. has more swag. So it's tough. Wow. Okay. Any specific Batman, and you can choose from like old, like original comic Batman or like 90s cartoon Batman, also fantastic, or like Chris Nolan Batman, or I don't know if you want like, you know, just 1960s TV show Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the Chris Nolan Batmans were pretty cool. Like there was yeah. kind of like that dark, sinister kind of yeah. like vibe. And yeah. Okay. 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 Great. Last one. And I don't know if you've ever met him in real life. But if you have, then this question doesn't really count. But let's pretend you've never met Beanie in real life. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather Beanie turn out, he reveals his identity to you. Would you rather his identity be Jeff Bezos or the Queen of England? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would rather and, he be the Queen of England, but uh, I, I have I have seen him, and uh, he, he gives off more Bezos vibes than the Queen of England vibes. How do you know but, him, uh, though? How do you know him? That's true. It could be some some burner person that he uh, <laughs> he hired for the, uh, the Zoom calls. But, uh, yeah, Queen of England would be pretty great. <laughs> I've been watching The it, Crown. I think it would be a good look for him. I ever see the show The Crown on Netflix. I've been watching that the first two seasons lately. So I've kind of Queen's top of mind for me right now. So um, that's where that came from. Right on. G Funk, my man. Thank you so much, dude. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, this has been a tremendous uh, hour with you. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. And that is going to do it for us today, folks. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back next week for the final show of the year and next year for plenty more. 